Welcome into the first new track record of 2022. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. Hello, Justin. Hello, Caleb. Back for another year of mediocrity here. <laughs> That's new right. New track record podcast. We are back, and thank you for listening. And before we get into all things IndyCar, I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year's yourself. Yes, you too. Um, I know you were able to take some extended time off, so hopefully you were able to relax and... Uh, eat to your heart's content. That's what I did, and now I'm, I'm on keto to start the year because, I, you know, the holidays get to you, man. Yeah, the the Christmas cookies and all that junk is gone, and now I'm like, okay, I gotta gotta cut back. Thankfully, I eat a lot less, you know, during the week, and without having all those special events, for sure, that helps a lot too. It, you know, it was nice to have the time off because I was off the twenty third. And didn't come back to work until Tuesday, which was, what, the 4th? But yeah. it felt like, you know, I had stuff going on almost every day. So, so it, you, it, you, it was not like I was sitting around twiddling my thumbs at that's, home. That's, you know, kind of how the holidays go is you feel, you know, you know, it's a whirlwind, right? You almost need yeah. a break from the holiday season before you head back to work. Absolutely. All right. Well, with all things IndyCar, you know, it, it was quiet as expected during our uh, – Christmas layoff, that Christmas, New Year's layoff, we always take every year, take the two weeks off around that time period. But even more quiet than I think uh, we would have anticipated, right? I mean, seems like a dearth of news as far as driver announcements and, you know, series things. Well, I there guess are lots of little things, but nothing major. You know, yeah, when you got the majority of the grid set before the new year, you know, you're not going to really get a lot of news. And, you know, the the stories that we said, hopefully we have some answers uh, by the new year, last episode, we are still presented with the same questions here this week. Yes. And so we'll start with, you know, kind of the latest info and news and rumors we have on the 2022 silly season, which is, you know, like you said, almost wrapped up. We're we're closing in on race weekend at the end of February at St. Pete, which is crazy to think about with that earlier start to the season. But Marshall Pruitt did post an article on Racer.com right after Christmas on December 26th with a, a silly season update and basically saying, well, we're just inches away. We're waiting on Ed Carpenter racing and what they will do. Uh, Carpenter uh, Pruitt says Carpenter recently told Racer he hopes to have this decision made in the coming weeks. Once that decision is made, the silly season comes to an end, and we start looking to who goes where in 2023. And we all know Renus VK is locked in in the 21 car with ECR. Jack Aitken tested with the team. Ryan hunter tested with the team. Connor Daly, who was with the team past couple of seasons, um, he still is in play for this seat. Marshall says, um, if either has the sponsorship in hand to deliver to ECR, referring to Aitken and RHR, I'd assume a deal would have been announced. Makes me wonder if Connor Daly might just end up staying in the car with a new group of backers in tow. Who knows? I mean, that, I mean, the opportunity is there considering the seat is still open. And, and I wonder, is there, stealing a word from you, a dearth of drivers that don't have the budget or a dearth of drivers that are interested in that ride? Well, I would say Connor Daly seems to be locked in as well because there's an article by Matt Weaver on RacingAmerica.com. He did an interview with Connor, who's racing at the Chili Bowl this week, with his good friend Santino Ferrucci. <laughs> I can't say that and not laugh. <laughs> we know they get along so well. But uh, Connor's quotes, uh, or, or the... The quotes and what was said in the article um, says, feels more confident than all winter that one is close to materializing, referring to an IndyCar ride. Connor says, I'm not going to lie to you. We were in a tough spot in early December. We had a lot of our options fall through. Didn't expect some of the challenges we face, but we're working on one that we feel pretty good about. So then if that comes together, those two truck races fit on the schedule. That would be at Circuit of the Americas in mid-Ohio. Uh, and I already know those tracks really well. We're within a week or so, hopefully, on getting all that put together, and that would be a fun schedule. There you go. So one would think that he – and that says full-time ride, right? So, I mean, that would mean full-time in the 20 car. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So, I mean, it'd be – It's positive. Yeah. It's positive news. 
at least one would assume it'd be full time in the twenty car because I think the the other factor at play is that we have no update whatsoever, nothing on Carlin, and, and Marshall doesn't even mention Carlin. He mentioned I think in a mailbag that he'll have a separate update on the Hunkos. And Carlin merger, mergeification possibilities. Yeah, mergeification. It sounded like that's an inevitability at this point, right? I mean, it's just there's no news. I mean, there's nothing out of Carlin. There's no talk of preseason testing. There's no talk of hiring a driver. There's no shots from the shop of fitting the seat or anything, right? I mean, yeah. it's an inevitability at this point that that's happening. And then Marshall says in his silly season update, that uh, Hunkos says the likelihood of fielding a second car alongside Eilat has waned with the Indy 500 serving as the only race where Hunkos Hollinger Racing might enter two cars. So that also leads to the question of not only is Carlin probably going away, maybe be an Indy 500 only deal, maybe? I, I feel like it's maybe just a joint team. But would they just have that chassis in that car that they would purchase or, or loan and then that would be their second Indy 500 ride which I think seems plausible they'd have a second car right for Indy since they're a Chevy team yeah absolutely I is you know I, I I've been saying it for a long time and some people you know said I was being unfair or you know whatever with Carlin I just you know feel like it's it's dead at this point I mean you have no momentum you have no money you have no driver you know you well, just don't have anything at this point. <laughs> especially when, you know, one of their team principals was he quoted in an interview, I think, on Motorsport saying, you know, they kind of needed an answer from Max, you know, as soon as possible. And this article was written back in November, and they were hoping for an answer by December 1st, right? So, I mean, that timeline is long past. Yeah. And I think no news is bad news, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. You know, Carlin, you gave it a valiant effort, but you know what? I'm sorry. That's just what happens to teams that block new track record podcasts on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that you know. <laughs> I, mean, I guess we played the long game, right? Yes. Here we are entering 2022, still uh, in operation. Carlin, maybe not so much. Yeah, still to be determined. The other updates from Marshall's article uh, talking about the third car for Foyt. Uh, he says, "I've heard nothing of late to suggest it's going forward." And then mention some of the other, you know, entries, Aaron McLaren SP. The third entry will be limited to part-time. And that's all we got as far as 2022 uh, from this update. However, interesting nugget here, talking about 2023. So his question is, will Johnson, as in Jimmy Johnson, return for a second full season in the number 48 car in 2023? Uh, Marshall says, I can say I've had a few smart people in the series suggest it's where Rossi's headed once his Andretti contract is fulfilled. It makes a lot of sense. I think it's that or McLaren, to be honest. I think if there's a third time full seat open at McLaren, they're going to make a run at Rossi. But it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's, he's, he was only going to go to a couple teams. You know, um, I felt like it was Aero, McLaren, or it was Ganassi at this point. Well, and, and speaking of McLaren, so one of their drivers last season on a fill-in role at Road America, Kevin Magnuson, uh, this from F1 to rule them all, and it's a really long thread, but there's a lot of good info. Kevin Magnuson was offered a seat in IndyCar for the 2021 season with Chip Ganassi Racing, but he would have had to finance his seat. Kevin was not interested in that. He wanted a, quote, clean deal. A team said you want to race. Uh, a team that said you want to race for us. This is the salary. So basically, turned it down. I feel like didn't we want to buy the seat. Yeah, I feel like we see him in twenty twenty three. And and you know, I mentioned that third seat narrow McLaren SP. I mean, I think there right now is a considerable possibility that that number five is open, and so Alexander Rossi could slide in to the seat formerly occupied by Pato Award. So. They said Pato Award, um, I think this is a separate racer article, would be open to doing like FP1s for F1 this year. Yeah. Was that right? Or yeah. Was it 2023? It, uh, yeah. For 2022, that was McLaren's hope to at least give them a couple of FP1s as the schedule allowed. Now, IndyCar Deep Throat uh, tells us that Ricardo's contract is actually still in place for 2023, but 
I mean, I, I don't know. Do you do you break the contract? I mean, I mean yeah, McLaren's not dropping Lando Norris. If they drop anyone, it's Ricardo. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's all performance based all around in auto racing, and so contracts are meant to be broken, not to be honored. The fine print, uh, you know, can get you all of a lot. So look, if 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 McLaren doesn't believe that Daniel Ricardo performed up to expectations in 2022, they'll find a way to get out of the contract and put Pato Award in that seat. And in fact, I find that likely at this point. Yeah, I, I kind of think so too. Especially, I mean, if Pato wins the 500 and or the championship in 2022, it's almost like. I mean, they're going to want to promote him as soon as possible after that. Absolutely. And I feel like I don't know what the contract looks like with McLaren and Pato Award, but, I mean, is there a possibility that, look, if he runs a couple FP1s and opens the eyes of another team in Formula One, could they swoop in if, you know, McLaren isn't ready to make a move and keeps Norris and Ricardo for 2023, could another team swoop in and grab Pato Award for their open F1 seat? Yeah. I mean, you have to think if McLaren makes him a free agent, whether it's IndyCar or F1, that someone else is going to swoop in, especially with the level of success we expect from him this coming season. Most definitely. And and I, I, right now, I mean, barring an incredibly disastrous 2022, I mean, I don't think you need to say that Pato Award needs to win the 500 to go, or he needs to win the championship to go. I, I feel like, look, if he's if he continues to race the way he has raced the last couple years and be in that top five conversation, then I feel he goes to F1 if that seat opens up with McLaren in 2023. So I don't feel it's a you have to do this in IndyCar to get to this. I just feel like. You know, steady as she goes. Do what you're doing. Continue to improve. Get some wins. If that leads to a title, if it leads to a 500, great. But, yeah, we definitely want you in a seat in 23. Yeah, win some races, a top five points finish. I mean, I think that's all it's going to take. Now, I feel like Pato can force their hand more by winning the 500 and or championship. Well, and it maybe makes things more urgent, too, on the F1 side. Look, I know the Formula One teams aren't going to, you know, get too excited about wins at Mid-Ohio or Iowa or whatever, but if he has a successful season and McLaren doesn't make a move and he shows himself competent in the seat in some FP1s, then, you know, what stops an Alfa Romeo or, you know, this team or that team from sniffing around? Yeah, we'll we'll see. I think that's kind of like the storyline we have Obviously, there was a lot of talk with Colton Herta uh, late last year with the Andretti trying to buy Alfa Romeo, and you know would Herta go over? But now the focus has shifted to Pato, largely because he had that F1 test with McLaren at the end of the F1 season that he earned by winning a race in IndyCar this past season. But I mean, there just seems to be a lot more focus on him now, regardless because of McLaren's direct tie-in. Absolutely. And and I feel like, look, this is a situation where McLaren doesn't want to let him go. And if they have to boot Ricardo out of the seat to prevent any type of scenario in which they lose him, they're going to do it. Speaking of Andretti, Autosport mentioned them and Marco Andretti. I I mean, I don't think this is a surprise, but someone asked him on Twitter uh, saying, you know, Marco's way better than people give him credit for. Still hope he wins a 500 one day. And Marco said, going to keep knocking on it. So I think that's as much confirmation as you need that he intends to be in an Andretti car at Indy this May. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, even, you know, we talk silly season. I think there's only a few real open seats for the 500 at this point. I feel like, you know, the, the, the the benefit or have of having some stability is that these months leading up to the start of the season which in the past were you know it was a frenetic pace of drivers and annou- driver announcements it's hardly anything when you get an indie only team at least going into the season already announced their yeah. lineup in december i think yeah. that says a lot and yeah. it's positive mind you but yes. it does say a lot absolutely for sure and knowing that look the cap is 36 yeah, because and of Pruitt the engines. said he expected 35, but the cap is 36. Yeah, I mean, th- there's no scenario, barring something insane, that Honda and Chevy combined will go over 36 engines. It's not happening. So, you know, we, we've talked about it before, Caleb. I'm, I'm sure there's more interest than 36 spots, but there's just 36 engines. So that's what limits the field at this point, or at least the qualifying field, not necessarily the interest. 
All right. Let's talk another news item that we learned late last month. IndyCar has extended its contract with Delara, multi-year extension for the chassis supply deal. Not a surprise here at all by any means, but... I mean, Lowell was close. You know, March was in there, but... Delta wing. <laughs> but in the end, you go back to Delara. Yeah. I don't think this is a surprise at all, but it's good stability. I understand people want to have, you know, four engine manufacturers and three or four chassis manufacturers. If the economics improve or sponsorship improves and IndyCar gets a lot of the tech type sponsors that, you know, to be fair, in my opinion, would benefit a lot from partnering with IndyCar, right. at least on a technical standpoint, uh, in promoting the product. But if they get some of that money back, then yes, we could maybe get back to that one day, but I, I feel like IndyCar is a long way from uh, Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't ever really see that come back, at least in the form that it was. And, you know, Marshall Pruitt made a great point in this, year, this week's mailbag, I think it was in this week's mailbag, that, look, the competition is great until everybody figures out that A is better than B. And then everybody wants A. You know what I mean? So it was just, you know, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, oh that's competition. You're going to have people, you know, going in and out of the, of the series based on if, if they're any good. But everybody would get excited about, let's say, Lola somehow coming back, right? Oh, Lola's coming back. But if Lola is considerably worse than Delara, everybody's going to go to Delara. And if Lola is is exceptionally better than than Delara, then everybody goes to Lola. So, you know, competition with the chassis is just, you know, tough to, to ascertain. But, you know, we were talking about this back and forth going about what Delara is because so many people were focused on, obviously, uh, the next-gen engine and the chassis at some point, which will come out mid-2020s here at some point. But, you know, you can't really start working on a next-gen chassis without having your chassis signed for... 2024 or 2025 or whatever it's going to be so this i think is the first step then to what will be a new chassis uh, as indycar looks to go lighter with the next chassis and you know in a story late december of 2020 uh jay fry said you know as long the the quote from i think this is marshall pruitt writing this that indycar has long expressed its interest in having a new tub that's been designed from the outset to incorporate anti-intrusion panels plus the new aero screen in an effort to reduce weight determining where its design manufacturing and distribution would take place is among the bigger questions fry is looking to answer well the manufacturing is going to be delara right that's what we've we've secured design i'm sure delara is now working on it all we're talking about is distribution. So then Jay Fry said the soonest would be 2024. So I feel 2024, 2025 that we'll see that new Delara chassis. Yeah, nothing's mentioned in the official release from IndyCar as far as a year time timeline in the future of you know when we can see this. However, it is interesting to note they've been using the, the universal body kit, the AK-18, since 2018, and... Um, they've also done production for Indy Lights since 2015. The safety cell, I would assume, is largely going to stay pretty similar. I mean, that's been something they've used this entire time since 2012. Yeah, borrowing, borrowing but obviously adding obvious. the, the aero screen and before the aero screen that that advanced frontal protection plate the little stick yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> little strip yeah of metal um that you hoped that whatever debris was coming at the uh, cockpit hit that small strip um but you know uh, the, the big story i think going forward for indycar you know this year um is going to be weight and once you add the new next gen engine is adding weight and so I think it's going to be a battle for teams to try to trim weight anywhere they can and the series because, you know, it's been said these cars are getting too heavy uh, with the aero screen, which is absolutely necessary, and, you know, the new engine modifications or the engine specs that are coming. So what's next after you are too heavy is redesigning a chassis. So I feel like that, since Delara is now tied up or locked in, you know, for the foreseeable future, that will become a bigger priority now. I think throughout this year, I think we're going to get a lot more details on what direction that Delara and IndyCar are going for that new chassis. And, you know, I I guess I like the consistency, like you said. I I know people want to go back to the old days with Penske's and 
you know, Dan Gurney, All American Racers, and Lola and Raynard, and uh, it's just it's not realistic. Hey, don't give away my split era random driver of the week <laughs> mentioning all american racers just saying okay well i i will not give it away <laughs> oh, you because don't even I, know. I don't know who it is but, i never know. know i never know i get a little nervous there well you know talking about future for any car and one of our two favorite topics we'll hit both of our favorite topics i mean we got to it's the first show of the year yeah we got to start it off relevant right. info present on one of them and interesting info i discovered on from the past on another so okay. we'll, we'll start with the present we'll get to the the past later on but uh, adam stern sports business journal sports business daily uh, roger penske said at pri show this month now that being back in december any car has a potential new oem in the late stages per nathan brown of the indy star this comes amid heavy industry rumors about toyota toyota said in november that of course we have those discussions when asked about any car talks and then Stern tweeted uh, more recently, I didn't know this, but Toyota outsold GM. For the first time ever. Yes. This goes back to 1931 that one of the big three was not the leading car manufacturer in the U.S. as far as sales for the year, which is mind-blowing to think about. Yeah. I mean, when you put it in that context, it's pretty amazing. And then uh, going along with that, we have some more news uh, as far as rumors go on IndyCar Deep Throat and uh, saying there's a lot of talk that one of the big IndyCar teams uh, might make the switch over to Toyota. Chimp Ganassi Racing has been linked. And then also, as far as uh, Toyota, some info. Uh, potential for a new OEM in the late stages. Again, we, we've kind of covered that in the past. We all think it's Toyota. Uh-huh. And as far as the uh, rumor mill... If I can find it here, uh, could be uh, Toyota could be announced early January. It is early January. Yes. Where is our announcement? Yes, we are patiently waiting. <laughs> but uh, the the rumor is early January. So of twenty twenty two. Yes. Okay. And it, and it could either be for twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. That's not. Well, I feel solidified, like but I would assume it 2024. has to be right? Yes. I mean, now, our new engine spec coming next year, 23? That would be with the hybrid, yes. Okay. So, I, you know, I still feel even though it seems like a ways away, we haven't even started 2022, it's, it's, a, it's an infinitely difficult proposition to turn around technology this quickly. And I don't think we can fall back on, oh, Cosworth has an engine. They're ready to go. That right? doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that so, was, wasn't that like the favorite thing that we could all say? We could like, all, yeah. Hey, Cosworth they is ready. They just need an They're OEM waiting. to brand it. They got one ready. They made it sound like they could just, if the deal happened today, they would have the, the, the engine in the cars by tomorrow. Yeah, just slap a, a Ford or Toyota yeah, Mercedes was, sticker uh, on it. It's ready to yeah. go. Cosworth's already at the track, you know, with their track <laughs> technology. They got these things in a semi-truck. 20 miles away they could just bring them in we're just waiting for that uh that announcement so yeah but it, but all kidding aside i you know there's a lot of smoke more smoke than we've had in a long long time more smoke and also we've not had anyone report about it which tells me that this this rumor is pretty tight clamped down or no one can get you know more than one source on it to talk which tells me it's going somewhere because, look, when you when you have a story, you can get, you know, multiple sources to talk. Okay, you have it out in print. Well, anytime we've seen that for IndyCar with this topic, it's usually after the fact. This is also the woman that's been engaged four times, and gosh, she's praying that she she's pretty she's pretty uh, pretty assured of herself that number five is it. This is the this is it, and and that's why I feel we're at. So we're ninety. 2.7% in that Toyota is going to be the third OEN, but oh, we've been left at the altar before. Yes. So many times. I mean, what? We've had Alfa Romeo back, like, what, five or six years ago. We've had, obviously, Lotus came and went so quickly it felt like it was a rumor and not even a reality back in 2012. Porsche back in, what, 2018, 2019? 
So I can't even keep track. It's just <laughs> it's, depressing. It's hard to follow. Yeah, but no. But it, the fact is, is um, they've been down this road, this road, this road before. Um, it's been a long. It's been several roads. But dang it, it's it's Roger Penske, and he gets crap done. That's true. And some other rumors from IndyCar Deep Throat. Ryan Hunter Ray has been approached by Trevor Carlin to see if he'd be interested in running either part time or full time. Carlin's still working on finding their funding, which has been looking like an F3 or F2 driver will be coming over for the season. As of now, three names in contention, no mention of Max Chilton. You know, um, you know, there's there's maybe there's seemingly life at Carlin based on that. You know, maybe I'm a little bit too quick to judge, but uh, I feel like, you know, si- the silence is deafening. And a, a new update from IndyCar Deep Throat on Toyota. Uh, Toyota is all but officially confirmed. Sources telling me the deal was getting finalized near the end of November, December. The expected announcement for the deal should be in January, but maybe by early February at the latest. Would they wait until St. Pete weekend? Maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like waiting for like the car shows, that's when they usually do some of these. And I'm not sure like when the Detroit show is or the L.A. auto show. A lot of times they're around the holidays or just after in early January. Yeah. I would I, think that would make sense. But I feel like the longer you sit, if the, if the deal has been signed already, the longer you sit on it, the more likely it leaks. True. True. You know, so. IndyCar Deep Threat says, this would be a surprise via my one owner source. The two teams in contention for Toyota OEM Factory or Vassar Sullivan and CGR switching over for 2024. So that would be a surprise that Toyota was in? Is that how I understand that? Uh, as far as early February, I think would be the surprise if that would be when the announcement oh okay i think that's how i'm deciphering yes for his or her source and then the other ed carpenter racing we talk about connor daly so uh any car deep third says jack aitken is the favorite everything depends on williams and mercedes funding to make it happen jack can get the seat with the backing ed would be willing to have a third car part-time for him on the ovals he's also told that james hinchcliffe approached ecr a while back too which James Hinchcliffe officially confirmed. We our last episode we talked all about you know maybe Hinch won't get that job you know with mm-hmm. NBC Sports. Nice, Boom, announced the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally the next day. But you know, going back to Jack Aiken, he's once again a reserve driver for Formula One Williams. It doesn't sound like he's going to be an FP or in uh, F two and run F two, which he hasn't. You know, he did last year nine races. Um, so. If, if Williams wants him to be in a seed, and I think we're seeing more and more of a trend of Formula One you know, teams willing to finance a reserve driver run IndyCar, then Jack Aiken makes a lot of sense. And then an update on Carlin. Um, really no updates. Uh, Carlin is waiting for funding for one seat. Hang on to see what happens for the second. Connor Daly would be the only runner for Carlin as NASCAR looks to be in his future. Yeah, that Racing America article that Matt Weaver uh, had basically mentioned the two truck rides, as we told you about earlier. So all these seem to be in play. And, you know, could Carlin be that full-time option for Connor? It makes sense. We talked about it for, what, two years now? Yeah, I just don't think Carlin has the funds, and I don't think Connor has the funds to run a full season. Connor sounded confident in that article. So, I mean, basically... Every driver sounds confident. True. <laughs> basically, it sounds like we'll have an answer, though, for that. As far as Connor's future in the next week, look, I I hope it happens. I, I really want Carlin to succeed. I really do. Uh, I feel like it's it's a team that, with everything that it's done in Europe and developing drivers, is phenomenal. And I feel like it it was only natural to come over here and and try the road to Indy and, and IndyCar. I hope it works out. But uh, at this point, it's it's not looking good, but I would welcome an announcement tomorrow that Carlin was in full-time with Connor Daly. And then a couple other driver announcements. Christian Bogle switches to HMD Motorsports for Indy Lights in 2022. Sage Karam is going to run with Team Alpha Prime for Xfinity, a number of races this year uh, on, the, on the Xfinity Series side, obviously running the 500 with Dryer Reinbold. Townsend Bell will compete to the Rolex 24 with Vassar Sullivan, which he's competed with them uh, for several years. He'll team with Frankie Montecalvo, Richard Highstand, Aaron Tielitz, and uh, Linus Lundquist, another Indy Lights driver. He'll be in the Rolex 24. will compete in Mercedes AMG GT3 Evo with Allegra Motorsports. Uh, other drivers to announce rides for... Uh, 
the Rolex 24 and Indy Lights. Kiffin Simpson will be with Gradient Racing in the 24 as well. So a lot of lights, guys. Plus, Simon Pagino will be with Meyer Shank Racing for the Rolex 24. That's not a surprise at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all expected that one to come down the pipeline. And uh, I think there's one other on the Rolex 24 side that I'm forgetting. Let's see. Well, looks like that is it, actually. So several driver announcements. Expect probably more to come. You, you kind of wonder, like, will Ryan Hunter Ray? Oh, here's the other one. Jimmy Johnson, Ally Racing will return. Uh, it'll be with Kamui Kobayashi, Rockenfeller, and J.M. Lopez for the Enduros in 2022. So, again, he'll be with uh, that team. Again, none of these are surprises, and it's it's good to get these deals done and announced. Absolutely, uh, it's good good to get those in. Uh, the less, I mean, it's more exciting leading up to the start of the season when we have some seats still open. But it's good for the teams to get these things filled. And again, we probably will expect to see more IndyCar driver announcements. I mentioned Ryan Hunter Ray; he usually is in the Rolex Twenty Four. Um, you know, several guys on top teams like Ganassi, you know, they'll have rides as well. So that's coming up. I mean, that's like, what, three weeks away here? Yeah. I mean, they have they just announced Speed Week's uh, calendar earlier this week, I think. So, um, yeah, it's going to be right around the corner. The other uh, kind of big announcement done uh, in the last couple of days, Long Beach City Council unanimously approved a new agreement for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach through 2028. Good news there. Not a surprise, but I think it's nice that with the event having that year away and there's strong demand, it looked like, for tickets last year and then moving back to the traditional date this year should definitely help a lot as well. Most definitely. All right. And and one other note before we get to uh, the mailbag, uh, Kevin Kalkoven, uh, owner of uh, Cosworth, owned Kalkoven Vassar uh, Racing, uh, and IndyCar obviously owned Champ Car for a time, also was instrumental in the reunification of IndyCar, then the IRL and Champ Car back in 2008. He died at the age of 77 back uh, on January 4th after a short illness. So, Kalkoven, I mean, you know, at first thought you think, well, this guy kind of kept the sport divided for longer, but also you have to remember he also brought things together yeah yeah he was a very you could say divisive guy you know that's for sure um you know he did not hold back in taking sides back in the thick of the split so uh he was a major major factor in a lot of different things but uh, will definitely be missed you know he was a welcome guy in the paddock most definitely yeah a lot of people had some some very positive things to say about him i i didn't realize how many different you know versions of of his racing team it was pk racing then pkv racing uh and then obviously kv racing kv racing technology kv racing technology uh kvsh <laughs> i mean a lot of different there was a lot here. of k's over the years in some teams that's for sure 2013 8500 champions though you can't yep. take take that away from them they won a lot of races uh, when were they last in indycar i mean was it 2016? 16 or 17? Yeah, one of those years. But one obviously one with TK in 2013, the Indy 500. Had a lot of success with Sebastian Bourdais for several years as well, uh, Last, er, kind of in the early to mid part of last decade. Yeah, absolutely. So an unfortunate loss for sure. And And I think a guy who, you know, not just instrumental, but – you know, he, he bought what was left of cart and kept that series going in, in champ car. I mean, think about kind of some of the advancements that they had with the car, which unfortunately we only got to see one season, but the DPO one in 2007, I mean, that, that car was just, it, it's kind of like the gold standard for design and, and looks for an Indy car. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of impacts for sure that have affected um, you know, the sport. So, uh, again, uh, prayers to his family and friends in this. Uh, clearly, guys had a, a big impact on the sport. Uh, and, you know, it's this is kind of a, one of the the big guys. We, we lost a lot of people last year between Bob Jenkins, Robin Miller, and 
um, Al Unser Sr., Bobby Unser, um, and, you know, already off, uh, you know, one of the big names leaving us now here in early 2022. Hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. No, definitely not. All right. Well, uh, if you agree or disagree with uh, some of the things we've had to say, we'd love for you to interact with us. You can find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, do us a favor, subscribe to our weekly email list. You can also uh, find us on uh, social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCarPodcast. On Facebook, search for us and like us. It's NewTrackRecord. You can also email us, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. And find us and follow us for free on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts. And if you uh, follow us on there, do us a favor, give us a five-star rating if you could. If you're really nice, write a review. You also follow us for free on Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, just a quick plug, we recently found out we were nominated for Best Motorsports Podcast by the uh, Sports Podcast Awards. It's a new thing. You can uh, go to sportspodcastawards.com. While you're there, register and then go to the best motorsports podcast category. And then you kind of you have to listen through the different segments. They're all about like 10 minutes or less or so for each podcast. And then you can vote. So uh, you can vote for us on there. We greatly appreciate it. And with that, Justin, it's time for the mailbag. Yes, do it. Not a whole lot to get to. And that's not really a surprise. It was not a busy news couple of weeks, but some interesting stuff that uh, has come in over the past few days. First off, uh, Nick J. Fletcher says, will J.J. be in either one of the shootouts? Thus far, I'm led to believe he has a better shot of being the last row shootout than the Fast 9 shootout. Thoughts? Hmm. I would say he has a better shot to be in the Fast 9. One, this is an oval. It's not a road or street course, so this is going to be more in Jimmy's element. Ganassi has been really strong at Indy as far as qualifying the last couple of years. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it's not like he hasn't, you know, raced there. I get that an Indy car is different, but you have so much track time, I think he'd be closer to the fast nine than the last row. Now, I'm not saying he's going to make the fast nine, but, uh, you know, I'd expect kind of mid-pack, 15, 20, you know, probably no worse than 25. Hopefully. You're saying he's going to miss the race? <laughs> no, I'm sure he'll be fine. But I mean, which 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 pointy end of the field do you you expect? The front or the rear? There's just so much competition, you know. I mean, once you you feel like the front, and then you start going through, and the next thing you know, he's he's toward the back. So, uh, you know, twenties. Yeah, I mean that seems fair. I mean, I don't know. Is it? Is it 20s up front, 20s up back. I don't know. This from Rock 44. Hinch was hit with debris from a front wing. That was talking about you know, last episode with James Hinchcliffe when he was struck by debris. We weren't sure what that was from, but it was from a front wing. R. Cole says, uh, uh, went down the Bill Tempero Twitter rabbit hole and found this gem of a tweet. That was Marshall Pruitt replying to someone back in 2014 the AIS, talking about the American IndyCar series, started by former kart driver Bill Tempero, was garbage, but they did try to compete. And also, it came up in the, in the mailbag like two or three different times across multiple know, editions did, did over the last month. <laughs> we started it. We, we did. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff, but people really want to learn more about Bill Tempero, apparently. Yes. American IndyCar series. A, uh, a good experiment that uh, did not really turn out. <laughs> one of the many but i would love to read a book about it it sounds oh, yeah. exceptional uh you tweeted this over the break because i was out of the office and someone left a fruitcake now did you come back another day and because the fruitcake's gone i it's was been gone, gone since i came a back a considerable on amount of time between that day and the next time i returned so i don't know if somebody actually took it to eat or took it to throw away <laughs> Or took it to, uh, I don't know, use as a doorstop? I really don't know. But it was gone. Anyway, the, the fruitcake generated a lot of responses. Uh, Nick J. Fletcher, why is that thing good for one half of one year? That's a great <laughs> question. 
Uh, 500 yeah. any 1911 says somebody will eat it drunk on New Year's Eve or sit on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter's Way 67 just says nasty. And Lee Walk 803-77986 says bring it to the track in May. Someone will eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's already gone. But yes, that would have been an amazing option because that's just, you know, that that's what we do here, right? Yes. Absolutely what we do. Okay. Uh, this from, let's see here, F1 Fan 2, person number... Uh, Let's see, you get the math here. 12,916 who would win in any Mercedes of F1's hybrid era and tagged us. Thank you. Uh, with the hashtags F1, hashtag people who would win in Mercedes, hashtag Mercedes dominance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think that I could do that, but I don't think I could. I'm not that, I'm not that confident in my abilities of a car that basically drives itself. Yes, a little bit. I, I think the starts would be the hardest to get down. Well, you know, the starts are the only exciting thing more often than not. So it's all about that acceleration time when the lights go out. It is tenths, sometimes hundredths of a second that decide whether you're going to win the race or not. All right. So that uh, wraps up a very abbreviated mailbag. As always, you can send us your tweets, your emails, Facebook uh, comments, messages. Oh, actually, wait, there's one more to get to. It's from bowling underscore Chad. Update on Carvana and Indy. The buildings along that strip are being cleared for the I-69, I-469 ramp expansion is going to be happening. All right, so that's the update. And it makes a lot of sense because they're, again, moving I-69 all the way up from Evansville to Indy. It's been a long, ongoing process. And they're up to Martinsville now, I believe. So they're making progress. Yeah, But... It's taken, like, a decade, I think. This has, like, been going on a decade. Like, no joke. I drove to Evansville in 2012, and they were, like, building parts of the interstate. <laughs> <laughs> if, that, if that tells you how long this project has taken. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like the one, if you're familiar with Fort Wayne, around Bishop DeWanger, around um, Clinton and, was it, Washington Center? Uh-huh. Like, that's been going on. For it feels like ten years, or Bass Road feels like five yeah. years. But although you know, I've driven Bass lately, and it's you know, I feel like I'm in Carmel. You would feel like you're at home in Westfield. <laughs> There's so a many lot of roundabouts. roundabouts. Yes. yes. If only they could put in roundabouts around Jefferson Point. That'd be so helpful. Well, they're not putting roundabouts in Jefferson Point. They're just they're just slicing the yeah the greenery out and just putting roads in because people apparently can't park and walk <laughs> to stores. Yeah. It. I'm very upset about that, but that's another topic for a different I, you know, show. <laughs> yeah, I really feel like part that's partially the failure of malls is people don't want to walk around. People well, and it's an walking. outdoor mall too. Yeah, so that, it's an outdoor. Like that I get, changes things. Yeah, you know, winter time, okay, I get, I guess, but even in the winter, I get out and walk. But anyway, people are lazy. Carry on. <laughs> All right, shifting to news and notes. Bruce Martin of Speed Sport had an article talking about IndyCar taking over Indy Lights. And all the stuff in here, stuff that I feel like we've been telling you, the listener, for months. Um, they hope to improve the size of the grid. Well, so yeah. far, check. We're expecting, what, up to 18, maybe even 20 max out. Probably not 20, but up to 18 cars for the lights grid this year. Uh, many of the changes are not going to happen until 2023, according to Jay Fry, just through the transition time of the takeover. Uh, changes this year, proximity to any lights and IndyCar, IndyCar tech pads, and both paddocks will be closer together at the races. And Penske's plan for any lights is to create incentives for full-time NTT IndyCar Series teams to start any lights operations designed to help grow both series. I think that's the one we've been harping on for a while, and it makes too much sense. Yes, absolutely. And the hope, uh, the quote here is maybe by 2023 or 2024, more IndyCar teams will start participating in Indy Lights. Hopefully. We've, we've Hopefully. heard this before. That is true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Uh, this from Adam Stern. IndyCar and IMS expecting next year to be its best in revenue since 2016, when 350,000 people attended the 100th running of the Indy 500 per mark miles, citing in part projected jumps in TV money slash sponsorship, ticket sales for the 22 Indy 500, also tracking up from 2019. Again, not a surprise when you have no fans in 2020, limited fans in 2021. In a way, you're creating demand just by doing that. And so you should expect things to tick up. Yes. 
Absolutely. That's the expectation, but it's been the expectation for a while. And to be to be fair, we've seen it. We you know, we're seeing an uptick last year. It sounds like there'll be an uptick this year. So, it's finally you get to a point where you just drown out the noise because you've heard it before. But um it seems like it's finally happening. This is from Bob Pockris, who's a NASCAR rider. Kyle Busch current deal runs through at least 2023, so no issue as far as his status. Team apparently is notified last summer and has been working on sponsors all pitching Kyle. This comes after M&M's dropped their sponsorship. But this note that is relevant for IndyCar fans. Good opportunity for Kyle to find a sponsor who wants to do Indy 500 as well. Huh. Hmm. And if Toyota comes through, huh. Huh. <laughs> Just <laughs> so many things working together, right? Yeah. A little bit. Something to keep an eye on, for sure. This from Matt Weaver, RA, who uh, we mentioned him earlier in that article on Racing America, on Connor Daly. An anecdote from my chat with Connor Daly earlier. He says, Roman Grosjean inquired frequently about entering the Chili Bowl. Ultimately, he's going to focus on the Rolex this month, but expect Grosjean to keep doing his homework in advance of the BC39 in Tulsa next year. That is just, that is cool. I mean, yeah. you, get, you get these guys on dirt, and it's not about... You know, being the best of the field, they're not going to be the Kyle Larson or, you know, I'm trying to think of another dirt driver. Um, Jared Andretti races on dirt. You know, some of the guys that would be familiar to IndyCar fans. But it's just the challenge. And, and Daly is improved through doing it. And it's fun. I mean, racers want to race. I think that's exciting. Yes, most definitely. So I think, you know, you know, if you had to pick, who does the Indy 500 first, Kyle Larson or Kyle Busch? Kyle Busch. Really? Yeah. I would I would actually agree when I think I about think it. it's media hype around Larson. Yes. I think Kyle Busch, you know, this has kind of been on the, the back burner since like 2015 or 16. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. think that's a lot more realistic. Especially after seeing his brother do it and the positive yeah. in, you know, yeah. influence and him talking about it. Definitely. Uh, good news, bad news here. Good news, Alex Zanardi's left the hospital after 18 months after his handbike accident. Left him with serious injuries. That happened uh, late last month. And there was an update given Zanardi's con- condition. Uh, sad news, a- another kind of figurehead in the IndyCar paddock has passed away. Uh, T.E. McHale is uh, the longtime Honda Motorsports Communications Manager. Uh, Marshall Pruitt with a great tribute. A lot of great tributes from some drivers and team owners across the paddock. Uh, this guy was beloved, you know, in the paddock. And just uh, another sad news. You know, we just lost a lot of people, it felt like, toward the end of, of last year and early this year. Yeah, most definitely. Unfortunate. And some other notes. Uh, let's see. Congrats to Nathan Brown and his wife, uh, Danny, as they welcome Theodore Domingo Brown. My middle name. Domingo? No. No. No, it's not. not. Uh, Nathan Brown went on one, uh, I think it was yesterday or today. Of course, he likes going on on, uh, little rants on Twitter. Love it. Um, But, you know, Indy Star, Gannett Paper. And did you read that little mini rant he had about the parking? They've had to pay for parking, what was it, 40 bucks a month? No, 40 bucks a paycheck. Oh, gosh. And they can't even use the parking spots. Yeah. Because of COVID. They haven't been in the office in, what, what like close to two years or at yeah. least a year and a half. Close and to every, two years. Every two weeks, the employees have still been charged $40 to park. It's absurd, I mean, like, but it's also Gannett we're talking about. I mean, I'm sorry. It's just every um, newspaper. I mean, it, it's bad everywhere. Um, I, I don't know of any reputable newspaper owners, large at this point, um, that own multiple paper, you know, Gannett and you know Paxton and all these different, you know, you look at, um, you know, the, the Tribune, like all this, like it's just, it's not good. It's not a good landscape. I'm glad I got out of it. I feel <laughs> a lot healthier. I feel like yeah, I added ten years to my life at least getting out of of newspapers. But um, it's tough to see the struggles that others are going through, and I, and I can totally relate because uh, I experienced a lot of them, but I never experienced getting charged for parking especially when I wasn't going to work. Yeah, when when I had to pay for parking during my radio internship in college, they reimbursed me. So, and this was an establishment that was not far from in fact, I think I walked by the Indy Star offices on a daily basis. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Anyway. There's so many rants we could go on about the newspaper and print yes. industry. Yes, yeah, we'll need another show for that. <laughs> 
Uh, other notes to get to, a new marshalling system coming to IndyCar next season. Okay, that from racer.com. Also, Miles Rowe, who's the uh, Race for Equality and Change alumnus, he's launched a GoFundMe campaign to enable him to return to the USF 2000 grid in 2022. Now, remember, we expect Ernie Francis Jr. to be the driver with um, – why can't I think of the name off the top of my head? Um, the, the team name. Um, Force Indy. The Force Indy, yes. Yes. Um, the, he will be the Indy Lights driver most likely for them this year, but, you know, Miles Rowe had a test uh, for Road to Indy um, back, what was this, October, early November. They do the Chris Griffiths Memorial Test. He was part of that test, but uh, it's unfortunate that he's having to kind of put this together and scrap together money for a ride. Good news is he's halfway to his goal. Bad news is his goal is $450,000. <laughs> oh, maybe he could partner with Carlin. Carlin's looking for money. That is true. <laughs> so, again, you can uh, go to GoFundMe and search for his campaign if you want to donate. And uh, last item to get to as far as news and notes. Did you know? And No, I didn't. Indy 44 found this, and I'm sure you didn't know because I didn't know. February 11, 2008, IndyCar racing to hit Blue Hills next February. Where's the Blue Hills? Turks and Caicos. Really? Yeah. I had no idea about this. They signed an agreement. I did remember seeing that. To like, put a, the time, Indy Turks and Caicos Grand Prix in Providenciales. Yeah, I saw the Indy 44 link. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that. So that is... Uh, now, yeah. is Turks and Caicos, is that in the Caribbean? Yes. Okay. It is just uh, north, a little bit northwest of the Dominican Republic. Okay. Basically, like, betu- between Haiti and D- the Dominican Republic, like that island, it's basically Hispaniola. directly north. Okay. So, yeah, I, I did not know that was uh, something on the table. So, uh, <laughs> with that, that's our international races update, past yeah. or present. So, we're now ready for your random split era driver of the week. Well, you know, it was tough to get back in the saddle after uh, you know a long layoff, but I feel like uh, we we it, it was it was Cart's turn, and so we went to 1996 because that is just the treasure trove of random split era drivers, and we went with Juan Manuel Fangio. I've actually heard of him. The second, I've heard of him, uh, and and raced for All American Racers. Will this have been in, what, 90... This was 96. 96? Okay. I've actually heard of this driver. Juan this Manuel is the first Fangio time. II. This is devastating that you know him. Um, but was the... Uh, actually raced the entire season that year um, for uh, All-American Racers. And it was his second... He did then the second season the year after. Uh, was actually ra- raced four times with Pac West in 95. And was with All-American Racers in the early 90s with IMSA, in IMSA. And actually won a couple championships in IMSA with All-American Racers. So looking at Juan Manuel Fangio, the second, uh, had a, let's see, one top 10 over the 1996 season. That was at Road America. Uh, finished eighth. After that, it was a lot of teens and early 20s and finished 23rd in points that year. Second year came back at a couple top 10s, 10th at, at Detroit, 10th at Road America, liked Road America. Um and that was it. Um uh, then went to American Le Mans for a minute. Um competed in IROC. Yeah, he was the infamous IROC. He had uh let's see, three starts looks like in 93. Also, I mean Indy Lights he won a couple of races. In 87, he won a race. In 88, he won two races uh, with two different teams. So, had some success there. Did really well in IMSA GTP back in the late 80s, early 90s. So, uh, nephew of Juan Manuel Fangio, the yes. Argentinian F1 world champion. Multi-time uh-huh. yeah. F1 world champion. And uh, I love this on his Wikipedia page that uh, in 1997, Fangio II called Dan Gurney, who was his boss and friend, to let him know that he was retiring. 
Uh, he told Gurney, quote, I have discovered that regardless of what my passion says, despite what I command my mind to do, I am no longer able to give my whole being, my total focus at the exclusion of everything else to this sport that I love. 99% is not enough. I shall stop, end quote, which is exactly what I'm going to tell you when I cannot give this podcast 100%. And I'm stepping away. <laughs> word for word, that is what you are going to get. So you're implying you've been giving 100% this whole time. <laughs> That's true, which is embarrassing. <laughs> if this is my 100%, my gosh. But uh, uh, or, or maybe you've been giving over 100%. Like maybe. Like 110%, 105%. <laughs> maybe. But, 107% rule. You know, like in racing they used to have. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Dan Gurney responded uh, about Juan Man- Manuel Fangio the second. A gentleman in a driver's suit with a core of steel exuding an aura of Latin American dignity and honor, even in the worst of circumstances, will be missing from the grid, which I feel accurately describes you. Exuding an aura <laughs> of Latin America dignity and honor. Um, You know, minus the Latin American aspect. Dignity and honor, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but in the worst of circumstances, uh, uh, spot on. Yes. Spot on. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he uh, he was born in uh, Argentina, Buenos Aires. Uh, once, as you said, nephew of Juan Manuel Fangio and um, inherited his uncle's passion for motorsports and currently resides in, uh, what's it, Balcarce, Argentina. The first random split era driver that I've actually heard of. And I feel like that's a failure to me. No. So I got to no, bounce no, no. back next week. Well, you got to remember, I mean, his name makes it. So that I yes. would more likely know who he is. Yes, absolutely. And those early years, like, uh, you know, it's so uh, it, they, they a lot of those names have become like jokes between you and I. So it's very tough to find like a, a, a true, a true obscure one, because we so like to pull those. Especially out. because of the very late 90s, early 2000s IRL guys. Yeah. You know, because I was a, a kid then, so I would like, you know, I would know these, Jeff Bucknam, Jimmy Kite, yeah. Ice Carlson. You know, I got some of these guys' autographs, Dr. Jack Miller. Yes, absolutely. He came to so, my elementary school. Really? Yeah. Good for him. But uh, yeah, that uh, that wraps it up for uh, our first our first edition of the Random Spodera Driver of the Week here in 2022. All right. Well, with that, time for Tweets of the Week. A couple of, to get to. Uh, this from back in mid-December, but NASCAR man underscore RR. I did not know this. Did you see this, Justin? Talking about Jimmy Spencer? No, I didn't. Okay, December 17th, 2001. Jimmy Spencer tested an IndyCar at Sebring after Chip Ganassi bet him $500 that he couldn't fit into one. Spencer made five laps and, and won the bet. <laughs> and then Mike Hull had an update uh, on his Twitter t- account. Uh, yes, an IndyCar intro for Mr. Excitement. Due to girth, seat fully removed, sat on quilted moving blanket, did five laps in first and second gear, found fifth on straight before pinning all on his own. As he stepped away, said, any faster and someone's going to get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Just amazing. And then this last one from Tony D. Indy. Uh, Adam Stern tweeted, about the top advertiser on national TV during NASCAR Cup races. It was Geico and Tony D. Top 10 for IndyCar. One, Carvana. Two, Carvana. Three, Carvana. Four, (laughs) Carvana. Five, Carvana. Six, Carvana. Seven, Carvana. Eight, Liberty Mutual. Nine, Honda. Ten, Firestone. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got an additional one. This is from Marshall Pruitt that I saw uh, earlier today. In fact, it was uh, last night, late last night, early morning. Uh, It's a picture of the skyline of Toronto. Um, with a great view of the monument, I forget what the monument's called in Toronto that they go around, but you see the the the, the tower and all oh, that. Oh, the uh, CN Tower. CN Tower. That's what it is. But uh, it's a Marshall Pruitt photo, and he says, "Fun exchange after taking my first and only shot from this vantage point. It's it's looking down that stretch of road um, with the skyline in the background." It says, "Official, I didn't think you were allowed to shoot here." Me, I didn't hear it mentioned in the photo meeting. Official, did you attend the photo meeting? Me, as a matter of fact, I did not. <laughs> Official, let's go. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. But, you know, as I've learned from many a photographer over the years, uh, if you carry yourself as if you know exactly where you're supposed to be going, you will rarely get questioned. Um, I pulled up the picture it's quite a shot. So, yeah, the CN Tower's in the background. 
and you have that monument thing. I don't know what that's called, but going into one of the turns. Our Canadian brethren will know what that is. Yes. Um, and a lot of you know high-rises in the background. Really cool shot because he's basically track level with a clean shot. I mean, he's not really looking through a fence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know where he's at, you know, how he got there, but uh, I thought that was pretty sterile. Did they say you could be there in the driver's meeting? Uh, did you no. attend the uh, driver's meeting? No. So, yeah, pretty pretty amusing, I felt. All right. Well, uh, with that, that wraps up the first edition of New Track Record Podcast for 2022. For Justin Kinney, I'm Caleb Hatch. We'll be back next week with more on the latest news and rumors on the NTT IndyCar Series. Podcasts by Federated Media.